You're listening to the ProcureTech Podcast, your weekly show for all that's cooking in the digital procurement space. Yes, we've got the hottest startups, thought leadership and conversation from visionary industry experts and definitely no stiff corporate content. I'm your host, James Meads, procurement pro, digital nomad and ProcureTech fanboy. And now here's this week's show. Yes, hello and welcome to another episode of the ProcureTech Podcast, where every episode we bring you everything that is fun, innovative and exciting in the digital procurement space. Continuing with our series of industry leaders and influencers, and there's no one more influential in the negotiation space than the host of the Negotiations Ninja podcast himself, Mr. Mark Raffan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me, James. Quite a pleasure to be here. Now, we've spoken a few times already, and it's great to get you on here because we're talking about tech in general, but we're going to focus more, obviously, based on your background around what we think technology can do in the negotiation space. And I know we disagreed a little bit of this just when just preparing the interview. So I think this is going to be a really interesting discussion in terms of how far we think it can actually go. But before we jump into the meaty stuff, just give a quick background of how you landed in procurement and how you came, how you came to be a negotiations trainer. And, uh, and yeah, let's jump in from there. Uh, I actually started my career out in sales. So wow. <laughs> my, yeah, my first job was in sales, was in ad sales um, and online advertising, affiliate marketing. Did that for a couple of years, ended up paying off all my student loans as a result, made really good money um, and had a great time. And then we were moving cities. My, my wife had finished her degree and we moved uh, back to Calgary, which is where we both live now. And at that time, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I wasn't really sure if I wanted to stay in the sales thing. I ended up taking a job as a buyer and worked my way up uh, through my career into category management, ended up leading a few categories. And at the end of it, decided it wasn't for me um, and wanted to do something on my own. Always had this innate love of communication and persuasion and influence and negotiation in general and had been writing for a while on negotiation because I'd always been a little bit upset about the quality of and the quantity of negotiation writing that was out there that was publicly available. That then transformed into the podcast, which is what we have today. And that transformed into a negotiation training business and here we are. Here we are today. So it's been quite a journey. And you've got a pretty impressive impressive back catalogue of podcasts. So when was it that you got started with that? Or a bit years ago, maybe five years ago. So we, we, have, we have quite a lot. We have quite a lot built up. I think we are on episode 300 and something. I, I, I can't even remember what episode That's we're on. That's a lot of podcasts. But yeah. It does, yeah. And we've got <laughs> enough banks now to push us through for quite some time. So I think it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be really interesting. I'm really excited. We're doing a small series on um, legal, which I'm very interested about. So we've got um, Jeanette Knighton coming on to speak through a lot of like common legal clauses that a lot of people get stuck on. And we've got... Um, 
some folks coming on to talk about psychology and how the brain works in negotiations. And that's very interesting stuff. I'm very excited to release a lot of that information. And it's kind of relevant to buyers and sellers alike, isn't it? Yes. Because you, you, you kind of tackle it from both sides of the table. I remember one of, one of my favorite episodes was the one, I'm trying to think of his name, is it Brian Burns, the guy from... The guy that does the sales yeah, podcast. Yeah, yeah, I was on yeah. his show. I was on his show. Yeah, oh, I, right, I haven't yeah. had the opportunity to have him on my show, unfortunately. But Brian and I had some disagreements. <laughs> <laughs> I do recall, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Needless to say, Brian and I were not aligned. <laughs> Which is probably not a big surprise. So yeah. if we go back then to the time that you were working in, in category management uh, and, and in those roles... To what extent did you come across procurement technology then? Was, was it still quite in its infancy or, or, or were you actively using tech within your job back then? I mean, we were, we were actively using tech in the sense that we were using large P2P, right? So right. SAP was super common, Coupa was super common. Um, and a couple of niche players had started to stand out like Scout, which is now part of Workday. Um, but there was the boom of, I would say, procurement tech has really only happened in the last three years. Um, there's been some niche players, don't get me wrong. Before that, we've got the teal books of the world that have been around for a, a, a lot longer. But the, the big push has been in the last three years. And I think it's really fascinating to see these niche built-for-service players come in to fill the void where large P2P just simply can't make the lift because they're not built for that, right? So companies like Zip, for example, doing and filling the role of the intake that and doing a great job of it, mind you, that a lot of companies just can't seem to get right. So it's very interesting to see how tech has progressed and especially how the use of tech with negotiation has progressed is also fascinating. And that's obviously your core focus area, but is is the one specific area of procurement where you feel that technology will have or, or already is having the biggest potential impact? Process improvement is, is, the, is the first one that comes to mind. I think that's probably the, the no-brainer, right? Like, I mean, when we look yeah. at all of the things that we manually do in process, one of the last companies that I worked for, I'll give you an example, actually, and it was a multi-billion dollar organization with more than a billion in spend, processed invoices manually, meaning they required a physical invoice to be sent in to someone at actually look at that physical invoice and physically sign off that they had approved that invoice. Then that would be inter-office mailed to AP. AP would then look at and then code it into the system. And it's like, like mind-blowing. That's like 30 years ago that should have been fixed. But It's amazing to see that so many large organizations still to this day have not implemented a lot of automation to ensure that their processes are being taken care of and really to ensure that they're getting a lot faster. And the downside, I think, to a lot of procurement tech is that they... They don't do a good enough job of illustrating the ROI, but when you get into organizations like that, the ROI is so clear, it's frightening. So it's, um, I think process automation is the big one. That makes a ton of sense to me. Um, but then I also think that probably the, the secondary one is the elimination of error. 
even in that process, there's still a lot of manual entry. There's a lot of manual stuff because we're human. We do things that we maybe shouldn't do. We're subjective to bias. All of those things a robot isn't subjective to. So I think elimination of error is going to be a big thing that comes around for us in the next couple of years. Even in negotiation. Yeah, even in negotiation. But even before we look at negotiation, which is, you know, obviously the sharper end in terms of innovation in tech. I mean, you mentioned that company that was a billion dollar company. I was thinking sort of somewhat smaller than that. But when you look at the mid market in general, it's still very green field, isn't it? There are other, other than scaling startups that would fall into that bracket. There are not many traditional mid market businesses that have done much on on their digital journey. They might have some optical character recognition technology and invoice processing or something like that. But, you know, it's still pretty greenfield, whereas, you know, a lot, most Fortune 500 companies have done some sort of digitizing. They might have done it badly. You know, they might have implemented, as you say, a legacy suite and then just done, okay, we've done that next. Yes. But yeah. th- there's, there's, there's not much greenfield to go after that. Yeah, they've got Oracle in place, they've got SAP in place, and then they've kind of forgotten about it because they think they've taken care of the problem. I think that, yeah, mid-market's a massive opportunity, but I, I would caution a lot of procurement tech companies to not overlook the Fortune 500 class because they there have been, over the last 10, 15 years, so many poor implementations of large ERPs that boast good P2P processes that aren't necessarily well implemented and then also aren't utilized right? Like they, they, they've yeah. implemented it poorly and then they also don't utilize it. So I don't, don't overlook that because I think that there's massive opportunity there. And that's become very prevalent, I think, in the last couple of years, especially with the way that the economy's gone and the way that COVID went. The automation thing is a, is a big problem. No, I agree with you. And I do think there is still a lot of, a, a lot of ripe fruit there to, for, the, for the taking. And, and I think if you look at some of the bigger platforms, like Ariba and Cooper being the obvious candidates, I think that the fact that they have put app stores in place and gone down this sort of Salesforce model illustrates the fact that they've recognized or acknowledged that they can't be everything to everyone. And there are more nimble players out there that can do certain niche functions better than their platforms can. And it's it's going more, isn't it, toward it, towards this modular structure where, you know, a more discerning buyer that might know the market better than his predecessors three or four years ago or 10 years ago can sort of cherry pick and say, okay, I like the platform in general, but the spend analytics and the sourcing modules are both pretty crap. So we'll go best of breed on those. Well, and not only that, but think of all of the category knowledge that is retiring, right? So you've got these category specialists that have been around for a really long time. One such example is I used to work for a, a railway organization, a, lost, a large class one railway. And I recall there was a guy there who bought railway ties, the pieces of wood that the rails sat on. And he had been doing that job quite literally for 20 years when I was there. He knew everything about railway ties. He knew about the wood. He knew about where he knew where the forest was that the wood was sourced from. He knew the full supply chain process. He had visited every single step in that supply chain. He knew everything there was to know ever about railway ties. That guy's retiring. 
Yeah, how do you replace that expertise? How do you replace that? How do you replace 30 plus years of knowledge with what now that's why technology is so important because you need to be able to fill the gap of where that guy's negotiation ability often came from was his knowledge about what he was buying. We're not going to be able to replace that very quickly and you're not going to have 30 years to train someone to replace him either. So even if you have like a year, which is very generous because it's probably three weeks, even if you have three weeks to replace this guy, it's you're going to have to have niche apps and niche solutions to be able to facilitate or at least use that as a crutch to help those folks who are filling those roles because they, they just don't have the depth of category experience that a, large, a lot of these organizations had developed over time. And that sort of leads me nicely on to dig into the negotiation topic a little bit more in terms of the tech that's available. Hey, so just a quick interlude to let you know about procurementsoftware.site. This is a new website that I recently launched to give you, the listener, a free-to-access intuitive guide to digital procurement technology. You can filter on a multitude of different criteria and pick out a short list of procurement software solutions that are relevant to your business and your needs in less time than it takes to boil an egg. No corporate subscriptions, no complex jargon, and definitely no pay-to-play model. We are a completely transparent, open book, and we really want to get your feedback on what we can really do to make this user experience better and constantly improve so as we're providing value to you. Check out procurementsoftware.site. And now let's get right back to this week's podcast. So maybe you can walk through to what extent do we have the technology now that can replace a human in some aspect of the negotiation and looking at it, you know, with the with a blue sky, blue ocean sort of vision, where could it go to in future? Do you think that we'll ever be at the place that a, a robot or a piece of tech will be able to replace a human for something like a really complex professional services agreement or, you know, an engineering scope of work to relocate plant and machinery from one factory to another or something, you know, something really, really complex, high end that you you would at least in today's space, never be able to automate? So I, there's there's two to three questions in there. I want to break it down to the first one. Where are we now? We are now at a pl- place where you could, I wouldn't say easily, but you could replace all of your tactical negotiations and your tactical spend procurement with a piece of software. Yeah. So when we think of Pactum and Orchestro and Fair Market, um, even some things that Globality is doing, there could quite easily do some things there. And it's not, it's not unreasonable to say that you could be negotiating your tail spend with a piece of software, which I think for a lot of people is a little bit unnerving. Like if you've built a career in tactical procurement and you're a, you're a buyer, you cut POs for a living, 
You should be very yeah. concerned. You should be very yeah. worried. Your job is less than three years away from being replaced entirely. And you need to start developing new skills or moving into more strategic things within the organization. Start learning how to code. Do something else to build up your ability and your knowledge. Because that's something that could be quite easily automated. I mean, it, like, think of it this way. In most of the organizations that I've worked in, just the requisition to PO process is something that still gets managed by people. Right. So when you think of how a requisition comes in and let's classic situation, right, free text requisition comes in. You've got someone on the other end of that free text requisition that doesn't know what that free text means. They call the person who put in the free text. They sort it out of what they're actually looking for. They go to market. They do the classic like three bids and a buy process. A PO is produced for the things that they negotiate. All of that. All of that from requisition to PO production can be automated today, yeah. right now. And that should be a very big cause for concern. And all of the tail spend negotiations that usually get consolidated to like one or two providers, like classic MRO type situation, if you're in a large industrial manufacturing company, most of your tail spend is going to be MRO. And when that happens, you're going to award it to Granger, or you're going to award it to Valen, or you're going to award it to someone else, a large organization who can handle. You don't have to do that anymore. All of that can now be negotiated skew by skew without the use of people, which means that you can ensure that you're getting much better deals over the lifetime of that entire 80 percent of volume of things that you're usually negotiating. Because the reason that the Grangers and the world, I mean, using that example, I mean, I've got a background in MRO, so that's one that, uh, that is particularly close to me. The whole reason that they existed was because the technical buyer yeah. or the, the, the MRO category manager didn't have the time to spend all day doing three bids and a buy for something that cost $5,000. So yeah, they, they've make grown sense. up on the fact that it's convenient and that they, you know, even if they're only delivering 3% savings year on year, it was nuisance spend. What you're now saying is that if the buyer has the right tech at his or her disposal, the tech can do that cherry picking and do that yes, tactical sourcing exactly. on their behalf. So as long as you've got a competent person evaluating the results that comes out of that to make sure that it's not doing something stupid from time to time, then, you know, that can go on autopilot. Yeah, exactly. And I think that those large organizations like the Valens and the, you know, the, the Grangers of the world should be worried about that because the way that their profit margins are structured is they, they're thin on the large volume tail spend and they're fat on the small volume tail spend. That's where they make their money, right? So it, it's, it's a little bit it's a little bit disconcerting if you're in that industry, but I think it can be solved as long as you're open to the implementation of technology, right? Um, in much the same way that procurement is leveraging their use of technology in these areas, a lot of these other organizations should also be thinking about how to leverage technology in their areas as well. So that's, that's one thing. Can tactical spend and tactical negotiations be replaced by a robot? The answer today is yes, absolutely. No question. The second part of your question, which is a little bit more difficult to answer, is can 
complex negotiations be replaced by a robot today? The answer to that question is no, today. There is no technology that I am aware of that can do complex negotiations. For example, there's a professional services agreement that we want to negotiate that's spread over a series of years with a bunch of different milestones and there's things that need to be completed and there's different things that need to be negotiated at each milestone. It's, we just don't have that kind of complex AI built yet. And I say yet intentionally because prior to this conversation, you and I were talking and you said, look, there's no way it's going to be able to AI is going to be able to do that. And I said, ah, I wouldn't be so sure because we would, you and I probably would have said the same thing 10 years ago about tactical spend. So if we think about where the speed at which things are going and the speed at which things are improving, I think it's naive for us to think that it couldn't be done. Now, could it be done at some point in time? Yes, I think so. We are probably going to eventually get there. What I think we're going to debate on is the time that it takes to get there. So if you say 30 years and I say 10 years, there's probably an answer somewhere in between there that may make sense. But I, wouldn't, I, would, be, I would be very cautious about saying we'll never get there. Because I think we probably will, as as long as we keep the pace that we're going on right now. You know, we could be like an iRobot type situation with Will Smith, you know, arguing with people and all that kind of stuff with a robot. I'm not talking about the Kevin Hart situation, but the movie. Remember the movie iRobot? When he was getting into that kind of, it's like an actual sentient being doing something like that. Maybe. Who knows? Uh, yeah, I th- I would concur with that. I mean, the only the only thing I would potentially challenge, and you're right, nobody knows the answer for sure. I think it's realistic to expect that we'll get there in terms of being able to teach a robot to do very complex negotiations, but will we be able to teach them to acknowledge and have the emotional intelligence to deal with a lot of cultural differences in negotiation, you know, between nationalities, between cultures, between you know, how, how high the stakes are for the buyer versus the seller, if you think of the Porter's Five Forces model in terms of relative power on both sides. That's the bit that I think is going to be the most complex part for, for AI or for a robot to replicate. Uh, yeah, I think that's true. And at the same time, culture is based on information, right? Like, people grow up a certain way because of the information that they are being fed on an ongoing basis, which means that this is really just an information problem. So as long as you can provide the information, then the context can change based on the information that you're feeding the bot. So I, I look, I, I think I'd be foolish to say that this is 100% absolutely going to happen, but I'd also be foolish to say... To say it's not. It's not, right? Yeah. So I, I, think it's, I think it's very dangerous for us to get into the position of saying it is or it isn't. I think we've all got to view these advances in technology as a high likelihood and, and roll with it. Because, I mean, we've seen so many things change, especially in procurement over the last, even just the last two years. The, the volume of change has been so substantial that it's, it's crazy to think where we could be if we... Now, where are we going to be able to keep that pace? I have no idea. But if we could keep that pace, 
Wild. Be wild. So you run a negotiations training business. How does this impact how you sort of build your three, five, 10 year strategy and how in terms of how you're going to grow and adapt through your business to that marketplace? It, it is going to impact you, isn't it? And I mean, yes. if you're smart about it, you could come out on top of this if you acknowledge and, and foresee the changes and mold your business around that. Yeah. And I think there's an in-between phase, right? We spoke about like, at what point is it going to be fully autonomous to do really advanced negotiations? But there is an in-between phase that I think is more likely and I think is almost 100% likely that's going to happen where you have artificial intelligence-assisted negotiations. So you have information and the AI is suggesting things to you and learning things in the negotiations and is assisting you in your negotiations so that you don't maybe have to do as much research. You don't maybe have to do as much forecasting. All of those things, I think, are are really, really highly likely. And I'm very pro the implementation of technology in negotiations because I think anything that can give you a leg up um, and can help you in your negotiations should be something that should be looked at. Now, there's a lot of negotiation purists that I argue with on an ongoing basis about this that say things to the effect of, you know, it's never, it's never going to happen, blah, blah, blah. But the reality is the AI-assisted stuff is happening now. So I, I think that a lot of people need to think about how they could utilize, may, and maybe AI is too voluminous of a a word to use. Let's just say technology. Technology Technology-assisted negotiations right now, they need to be thinking about how to include technology and what they're doing right now. I mean, look, you and I spoke about Lavenir, right? Um, Which is that training organization that started by Bill Michaels and and a few others. Um, They're not there yet, but it is very, very interesting to think about how we could utilize artificial intelligence within even training of negotiation. And I think it's something that if you were smart and your business depended on it, that you would look at it. Now, you and I think about this stuff every day, right? Like your your company is literally about procurement technology. So we probably have a bias. We, we probably think about it way more, in fact, like multitudes more than the average procurement person. Right. Yes. But so therein lies a problem, right? Because you and I are going to be speaking to people that are pushing at the bleeding edge and we think that's normal. Whereas the average procurement person looking at this and the average procurement leader, like the regular CPO in a company that produces, I don't know, corks, right? Like a classic commodity type business is probably just thinking about how to improve process. Or how to get raw materials. Or how to get raw materials, right? They're not really (laughs) thinking about how technology is going to take them to the next level. Right. Not really. And And, so I think... And that's a a really valid point because when you talk to them, you know, you you hear... you And you see posts on LinkedIn all the time, you know, which of these three legacy brand companies are the the best procurement tech? And and it's normal because if if they're not, uh, like you say, if they're not at the cutting edge and they're not living and breathing it, they're busy people, they've got operational issues to resolve. Yes. 
they've only heard of the few that sponsor all of the conferences, plus maybe the three or four that are really good with marketing on top of that. And right. the reality is there are over 300 of them out there. Yeah. And, and by the way, that's really small. Like if you compare us to the sales tech space or the yeah, MarTech, MarTech space, yeah. like the MarTech space is bananas. Now, is it a bigger market? Absolutely. So we've got to take that into consideration. But I think there's still room. And even in this down market, we've seen that there's still room for startups to pop up because there's still needs that exist. But I, I, I'm also very worried about a lot of these startups because they, they've forgotten that the, I think if a lot of them have forgotten that the average CPO is just trying to figure shit out, right? They're just trying to get a better process in place. They're trying to figure out where raw materials come from. They're not necessarily thinking about tech or the implementation of tech yet. I think we're getting there. Um, and certainly some organizations are way more advanced than others, but we're, we're not there yet especially not in mid-market, like you find your average manufacturing business where yeah. you know, you've got people that are on the manufacturing floor and they've lost a part and they walk into the single procurement person's office because there's only one for that manufacturer. And, and then say, they, buy, and me I, <laughs> buy me this thing, right? Like they're not thinking about tech. Absolutely no, not. No question. Definitely not. <laughs> Unless they're thinking, why do I have to go into my ERP system and create a requisition and right. figure out what the magic four-digit four code is to, to, get it to, to get it to do it for me? Exactly. <laughs> Mark, this has been an incredible insight in terms of where, where it is now and where you think it's going. Uh, if anyone would like to connect with you or learn more about what you're up to, where's the best place that we can send them? Easiest place to do that is online uh, on LinkedIn. Just type in my name, Mark Raffin, or you can go to our website, negotiations.ninja, and listen to our podcast, Negotiations Ninja Podcast, wherever you listen to podcasts. And we will link to all of those in the show notes. Thanks again, Mark. I know you're a busy guy, so appreciate you coming on the show. And uh, yeah, keep in touch and excited to see where this goes and who ends up being right. Maybe in 10 years' time, we'll have a beer and <laughs> look figure back. out we'll who look actually back got on it all right. Of this and laugh. <laughs> So that was Mark giving his masterclass on where we're going with negotiation technology specifically, as well as the wider procurement technology space that is out there. Thank you again for listening to the show. There are a lot of procurement and technology podcasts out there. So we appreciate you inserting us into your earballs today. Until next time, take care, look after yourselves and bye for now. Bye for now.